Jewish believers should matter to Christians because it's this reminder that God still has plans and promises he's made to this peculiar group of people called the people of Israel. And despite us being cut off for a time in disobedience, it's not a hard thing for God to put us back into that tree because he already did the more complicated thing of bringing people who weren't a part of it and putting them in. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Just a heads up before we dive into our topic today, Carly, you know, A Jew and a Gentile Discuss is listener supported and we want to give you, our listeners, an opportunity at the end of this program to get more involved. So stay tuned for those details. Let's discuss. Well, we're continuing our discussion of this idea of Messianic Judaism. And in the previous episode, Carly, we said, is Messianic Judaism a Jewish or a Christian religion? And we sort of reverse engineered that question and said, are we talking about faith or are we talking about religion? And can Jewishness be inherited or can it be disavowed or can it be abandoned when somebody comes to faith in Jesus and all of that? So listen to that episode if you want to understand how we defined it. I'll keep you in suspense and not tell you how we landed, but listen to that and then and today we're going to continue that discussion and saying, okay, now, now we understand what Messianic Judaism is, or at least how we can define it in the context of the worldwide community of believers in Jesus. But then the question for Christians, really, maybe for the Jewish community too, and if you're Jewish and listening, you might ask this, is why should I care? What, what does it matter to me? You know, that there's this group of Jewish believers who define themselves separately from just this label Christian, okay? So I want to put that to you. Because I sort of, you know, at least in my adult life, have participated in different ways in the Messianic Jewish community. Carly, what did it, what did it mean to you, and did you care or not, like, uh, you know, earlier in life, as a Christian? Yeah, I would say I can see like three distinct thoughts that I had about Messianic Judaism. Um, the first is uh, I had a friend in grad school who. She came to my Bible study group, Mm -hmm. but she also told me she went to a Jewish synagogue. And I was like, that's so weird. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to a Jewish synagogue? I thought she's just confused. Um, But then later, looking back, she was a Messianic Jew, and I was confused. So I didn't even know that it was called Messianic Judaism. I just thought it was a confused Christian who was also going to a Jewish synagogue Uh. because she went to both a Christian Bible study and then also a Jewish synagogue, which was... uh, Messianic Jewish congregation. And did you, sorry, did you tell her that? Like, did you say, I don't get it? Or did you just kind of go, okay, but No, then... I just was like, okay, you know, you do you kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, all right, got it. The yeah. millennial yeah. Very phrase. Very PC. Yeah. Yeah, good, okay. <laughs> so then I started working at Jewish Voice and in Jewish ministry, and I thought, okay, I, I understand what Messianic Judaism is, but I think it, it's just a name for this group of believers to define themselves. They're Messianic Jewish. They're Jewish believers in Jesus. Great, that's it. Uh-huh. Like, I get it. I understand it. Moving on. Basically, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I would say in the past couple of years, and actually mainly due to a lot of conversations we've had, Ezra, is about this idea that growing the Messianic Jewish movement is important to sharing the gospel around the world. It's not just like some people that define themselves that way, Mm -hmm. but there's a purpose in growing that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about other denominations, and I want to ask you if you even think of Messianic Judaism as a denomination, but when I think of 
Catholic or Lutheran or whatever, some people may say this, but we don't usually think of, well, we need to grow the Lutheran denomination. No, we just, we think of just sharing the gospel to as many people as we can. Right. Not so much, we must grow this one denomination because it's important to, you know, sharing the gospel. Sure. We just, we want to share the gospel. With Messianic Judaism, there's an importance to growing the movement, growing Messianic Judaism, both domestically in the U.S. as well as internationally, which are some of the ways that we do so. Yeah. Okay, good. So we'll talk about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to the idea of growing the movement second, because some, some of our audience may already, you know, especially if you have a Jewish background, go, okay, that totally sounds like an agenda. That sounds weird. That's like language that a cult would use. So hold that. Don't turn off the podcast. I'm going to respond to that in just a minute, the idea of growing the movement. Do you, but, do yeah. you see the movement as a denomination? Uh, back to, okay, good. You, you took the words out of my mouth. So the first thing I want to respond to is that. So First of all, when we say denomination, what are we talking about? We're talking about a branch of Christianity, and we're defining Christianity as a religion, right? Some people might say, well, no, it's a faith, and different denominations are different expressions of that faith. But I want to push on that for a minute and say, I'm going to be super bold here because, you know, maybe the coffee that I wish I had in front of me, you know, I'm thinking of it and what it would do to me in terms of my boldness when I get it in a few minutes. But this idea of uh, you're, you're asking would the Messianic Jewish community, or let me say that differently, would the body of Jewish believers in Jesus define themselves as a branch of Christianity? Let me ask a different question. Would Gentile believers in Jesus define themselves as having been grafted in through faith in Jesus to a relationship with the God of Israel? Some might. Some might, but it's a, right? It's, it, it strikes you as unusual, maybe uncomfortable, right? Like, wait a minute, what are you saying? Like you're asking if we're Jewish? No, I'm asking if you have a relationship with the God of Israel. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's what Paul was saying to the Roman church. And my point there is to say that asking Jewish believers if they're a denomination of this other religious system feels just as uncomfortable as maybe one of our Christian listeners who has no Jewish background feels when I say, do you have a relationship with the God of Israel, right? Because we're going, wait a minute, are, are you talking to me about this other religion or this other ethnicity that I'm fundamentally not related to? And it feels the same way for Jewish believers. So are, is, is Messianic Judaism a denomination of Christianity? I would say, again, go back and listen to our previous episode for all the, all the context. The answer is no, because we're not talking about a religious system. We're talking about a faith in Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, who said, I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but he also, God so loved the world, John 3, 16, right? The world is the world, every tribe, tongue, nation on it, Israel and the nations, that he gave his only begotten son. So whoever believes in him, Jew or Gentile, wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So we're talking about this faith that Jewish believers in Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, and Gentile believers in Jesus, the savior of the world and the savior of Israel, have all been grafted into. Is Messianic Judaism, is, is the body of Jewish believers a part of the larger, to use the Greek word in the New Testament, ecclesia? It's translated church, but I'm avoiding that word because we hear church and we think Christian. Mm-hmm. Are Messianic Jews part of the ecclesia in the same way as non-Jewish believers in Jesus are? Totally. Is there a distinction in roles because of who God's made us to be? Sure, there is. Are we unified under that same faith in Jesus and we have equal standing before him? Totally, yes, yes, and yes. But is it a denomination? No, I'm not gonna say it is because we're now using terms that one, didn't exist in the Bible, and two, reflect 
a religious system called Christianity, which didn't necessarily develop until hundreds of years after the writers of the New Testament were ministering, Jew and Gentile. So for those who didn't listen to the first episode, I'll just quickly uh, explain that we defined Messianic Judaism as a Jewish identity with a faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Right. Um, So... Ezra, as I mentioned, you know, I've kind of had a transformation of how I see Messianic Judaism. If you were speaking to me, the Gentile believer, 10 years ago, and, you know, okay, I understood what Messianic Judaism is, but I didn't understand why I should care about it or if it was important to me, what reasons would you give me of, yes, you should care about this? Yeah, I think, you know, one, one of the reasons... Uh, I'll start maybe with the with the widest net, or maybe the one that's easiest to grasp, is this idea that right we're we're all we read the scriptures or we hear people you know share testimonies of God, right, of faith in God, of faith in Jesus. But maybe many of us have had this nagging question: but how do I know that it's true, right? Like how do I know one that He exists? that two, he's able, and three, he's actually willing to keep the promises that he's made that have been passed down through, you know, translations of the Bible for centuries, for millennia, right? And maybe the, the, the most accessible or, or right in front of our faces answer to that for Christians, for people who are considering the claims of a holy God, you know, in the Old and New Testament scriptures, is the existence and the preservation, and more than just the preservation, the restoration to relationship with himself of Jewish people to the God of Israel through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, right? So how do I know God is alive and how do I know he's able to keep his promises? Simple, are the Jewish people who he said, if the sun rises tomorrow, then you'll know that I'm keeping my covenant with Israel. And who said, though they reject me, I have an everlasting plan and covenant with them and I'm able to graft them back in again. So the existence of a Jewish people, despite centuries and millennia of different empires and dictators and whoever, you know, diabolical forces trying to wipe us off the face of the earth, our existence, the reestablishment of Jewish people, millions of us, in a modern state of Israel that was prophesied millennia ago, uh, despite the attempts of all the nations around it, and then closest to home, people walking around saying, I believe Jesus is the Messiah and I've been restored into right relationship with the God of Israel through him. All these things are undeniable witnesses to God being the one who can keep his promise. Okay, and that really, if you go back to the scriptures, like the phrase chosen people can be, I don't know, inflammatory, right? Because Jewish people, you know, we get where well, God's chosen us. What does that mean? And we get anxious. We either, you know, become prideful in that or we are filled with shame and go, well, he better choose somebody else because I can't, I can't ever be the fullness of what he wants me to be. And then outside the Jewish community, people hear chosen people and go, huh, are they better than us? And I think I've even heard that in Christian circles. Like when you use the phrase chosen people from a pulpit, like you can visibly see people shift in their seat. And when you ask them why, it's, well, are you saying you're better, like chosen? What does that mean? You're superior? You're somehow on this higher level of humanity? And if we look at what God chose us to be, it's worshipers of him, servants of him to all the people on the face of the earth, and witnesses. Like it says over and over in the Old Testament scripture, God speaking to Israel, you are my witnesses. And so if we can think of, if Christians can think of Jewish believers in, in the body of Messiah, okay, Jewish believers as part of the family of faith in Jesus, as being these living stones, these living witnesses that say God is able to preserve us and to graft us back into right relationship with him through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah who died and rose again. Like that's the idea. 
Okay, so the first reason you're saying is that we should care about Messianic Judaism is because it's a great example of how God has fulfilled his promises throughout, you know, the, the history of time and especially when you think about Israel and the way that they've continued right. throughout, you know, all the different attacks against them. So that's great. I, I, I get that. I can think of lots of ways that God has fulfilled his promises. Sure. Fair. So what's another reason why it's important to care about Messianic Judaism? Right. Uh, why, why Christians should have on their radar the existence of Jewish believers in the body of Messiah, we can say Messianic Jews is, and I want to pull on Paul's language in Romans 11. Maybe if you're listening today going, what are you talking about? Look it up. A friend of ours just said today, actually, I love Romans 1 through 8. I just discovered there's a Romans 9 through 11, right? We all love being more than conquerors through him who loved us. And, you know, what shall separate us from the love of God and all of these, you know, uh, victory verses. And then Paul in Romans 9, 10, and 11 goes, I have unceasing anguish in my heart because of the unbelief of my people. And we're like, eh, doesn't apply to me, moving on. Romans 12, you know, in view of God's mercy, living sacrifices. And we skip this three-chapter conversation Paul's having with a predominantly non-Jewish body of believers in Rome, right? Where he's, he introduces this idea in chapter 11 of this olive tree. Okay, and I think this is Paul's attempt using imagery that for us, you know, I don't have an olive tree in my yard. I don't know about you, Carly. Maybe some of our, you know, some of our listeners might. If you do, that's really awesome. Send us a picture. But most people don't. But at the time in the Mediterranean world, he's saying, what's something that people are going to see literally every day that I can liken the kingdom of God to and try to explain how we have these Jewish believers and then people with no Jewish background who are all now part of this new thing? right? Okay, who have been made one new man through relationship with one another. And he introduces this idea of the olive tree, okay? And he says, you got to understand that Jewish believers are like the branches that originally belong to the tree. The tree is the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? What's the faith that you and I, Jewish or Gentile, are grafted into? It's that we, we heard God, either somebody preached to us, right? Or we read the Bible or whatever our own testimony, and we believed him at his word, and it was accredited to us as righteousness. In, in the case of us as, as followers of Jesus, we believed that Jesus, the Messiah, is able through his sacrifice to deliver us from, to, to forgive us for our sins and to deliver us into new life in him with God, right? With the Father. Like we believe that and that belief is accounted to us as righteousness. And so Paul's saying you got to think of Jewish believers as these natural branches. You got to understand that part of the dynamic, part of the character and the nature of God is just like you who didn't belong to this olive tree of the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he grafted you in, certainly then, if the original branches turn back to him through faith and belief, he's able to put them back in. Mm -hmm. He's saying if, if he can do the harder, how much more can he do the easier thing? Can he bring back in the branches that originally belonged to the thing? Mm -hmm. So I think that's Jewish believers should matter to Christians because it's this it's this reminder that God still has plans and promises he's made to this peculiar group of people on the earth of 22 or so million called the Jewish people, the people of Israel, okay? And despite us being cut off for a time in disobedience, it's not a hard thing for God to put us back into that tree because he already did the more complicated thing of bringing people who weren't a part of it and putting them in. So it's, it should also be important to us so that we understand the roots 
that we're grafted into. Right, and that's, yeah, it you know, we'll talk about this more in a few minutes. Does that mean every Gentile believer now, because we're grafted into this olive tree, should learn the Hebrew language and start keeping the Jewish feasts and, you know, what all of these things somehow is obligated to, to keep the Torah? No, but it's to say, and this is a challenge to our Christian listeners, what's your worldview? And I know that sounds like a super grandiose question, but is my worldview that my sins are forgiven by Jesus, my Savior, who's coming again to take me to heaven? Or is it what Paul's pushing on with the predominantly non-Jewish Roman church who's starting to look back at these believers in Jerusalem going, what do they have to do with us, right? Like, they're less than we are. Do we really need them and does it matter? And Paul's saying, no, understand, the, the tree of faith you've been grafted into is faith in a Jewish Messiah who's coming back to Jerusalem to rule and reign over Israel and the nations of the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Like, that's our worldview. So the, the presence of Jewish believers or Messianic Jews in the larger body of Messiah, body of Christ, it's said in you know, Christian circles, is to remind us, ah, the roots of this thing are in the God of Israel. The roots of this thing are the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not this new religious system that Jesus the revolutionary showed up and invented. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad we don't have to learn Hebrew because I right. took Hebrew for two years and I barely can remember anything. My so. wife is Israeli and I'm still struggling with it at like the five-year-old level. But Great. anyway, you know, okay. we're all on our journey. We're yeah. all on our journey. So is there another reason why we should care about Messianic Judaism? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we said this, we see it in Romans 9, 10, and 11. God says, like, the Jewish people, because of our unbelief that Jesus could be the Messiah, well, why? Because he came in a way that we didn't expect him to come. He came as a suffering servant rather than a conquering king. And the Jewish people didn't understand it as an oppressed, politicized group, okay? Mm -hmm. God, despite us being, like Paul says, enemies of the gospel. That's, you know, we read that phrase and we're like, yeah, Jesus, God is, a, God is against the Jewish people. You know, when we vilify the Jewish people in the gospels, we, we read that into it. It's not what he's saying. He's saying they're enemies of the message of Jesus because their eyes are blinded through unbelief. But because of what God did in their history, because of who they are and the promises he's made to their forefathers, they're beloved. He still has plans that he's committed in covenant according to the integrity of his own name. You can't see this, listeners, but I'm like slamming the table with my pointer finger here. According to the integrity of his own name, he said, I still have plans for these people and I'm able to bring them back into relationship with myself. But the question is how, right? And one of the biggest objections to faith in Jesus in the Jewish community worldwide today is because that's misunderstood. And I'll say, unfortunately, the, the misunderstanding is perpetuated by a lot of the church that if you want to believe in Jesus, you are converting to a new religious system called Christianity. Mm -hmm. And because our, our most foundational mandate as Jewish people, our parents teach it to us, their parents taught it to them, you know, it goes back generation to generation, uh, up the family tree is be Jewish, stay Jewish, even die for being Jewish. And so when you, when you introduce the idea of Jesus, the God of the Christians, and you should convert, that's a non-starter for a Jewish for most Jewish people. But what we're talking what we're talking about so much, and what we're challenging here on this podcast, on this episode, and others, is Jesus isn't Jesus, the God of the Christians, who invented another religion. He's the fulfillment of everything Moses and the prophets said would be 
the Jewish Messiah. And so the third reason why this should matter to a Christian community is we have to read the scriptures and if we're reading it carefully, we're gonna conclude that God still has plans and purposes for the Jewish people, which can only be fulfilled in Jesus, in the Messiah, right? The promised savior of, who, who came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and the question then is, well, how is God gonna reach them? And it's not by convincing them to convert away from everything they've lived for and their parents have lived and died for and convert to some new religion. It's what does it look like to be a Jewish believer? It means Jesus is the fulfillment of our Jewish faith, not a departure into another religious system. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the third reason is whether we're talking about congregations or just groups of Jewish believers, even in churches, there's hundreds of thousands of people who have a Jewish parent or grandparent who are in churches, not Messianic Jewish congregations. But them being Jewish and staying Jewish is again that, that witness, not to Christians of God's faithfulness, but that witness back to our own people that Jesus is our Messiah. He's everything Moses and the prophets waited for. And we're not leaving something to, to, to receive him. Mm -hmm. we're, we're fulfilling something mm -hmm. that was the plan all along. So those reasons, God's faithfulness is a witness for the church, understanding the roots that we come from and the distinct role of Jewish believers, and then also uh, that outstretched arm back to the larger Jewish community to say uh, that th this is a fulfillment, not a departure. So when uh, a Messianic Jewish or a group of Jewish believers goes to, like we do, yeah. another group of Jewish believers, it's more probable that they're going to believe in Jesus because we're still honoring their Jewish identity. We're yeah. not saying, come convert to be Christians. Right, exactly. And people go, well, are you saying like, I need to like do Jewish things for, for you know, to, to try to share my faith with Jewish people? Or, you know, like we talked about, should I learn Hebrew and say, Shalom Aleichem. They're, you know, uh, Shlomo on the street in New York is going to be more weirded out by that than he's going to be encouraged or feel loved yeah. and accepted. But the, the question is, what's the message you're holding out? You know, is it, is it one of conversion to your religion? Or is it one of saying, God brought me near to himself. The God of Israel brought me near to himself through your Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's like a, you know, head turner. Yeah. Then you'll have a conversation. And it might be a hard, hostile conversation. But what you're doing is introducing this idea or really affirming an idea that the Jewish community doesn't want to have to deal with of not Jesus, the God of the Christians, but is Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, this historical figure, is he or is he not our Messiah and why? And every one of us has to answer that question individually. And I think although it makes it easier for a Jewish believer to go to a Jewish person, that doesn't cancel out Christians, Gentile believers from totally. going to a Jewish person. I think what we're talking about, the importance is honoring their Jewish identity when you're talking to them. Right. A Gentile believer or a Christian can still go to their neighbor who's celebrating Hanukkah yeah. as long as they're still honoring that Jewish identity, not saying, you know, come believe in Jesus right. and, and throw your Jewish identity aside. Sure. And we as Jewish believers, or you could say as Messianic Jews, totally have a heart to see our own people reconciled to God through faith in our Messiah, Jesus. We also have a heart to see all people's tribes and tongues reconciled to him, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, God wants us all, he's jealous for us all. But actually, you know, I won't whisper it because it's a podcast and people won't see me, but you know, I can tell you a secret that really, in recent years at least, maybe through a lot of history, the Christian community has been more effective in sharing the good news with Jewish men and women than has the Jewish believing community. Now, it doesn't mean one group should do it and the other shouldn't, but just, 
you know, are, are we saying is that is that like a historical mistake? No, I think Paul goes after that in Romans 11 too. He says, make no mistake, salvation through through Israel's in large part rejection of Jesus. It says salvation has come to the Gentiles, meaning salvation has come to all the other people groups on earth to provoke the Jewish people to jealousy. So I can't be jealous for something I don't think belongs to me, right? Otherwise, I just look at it and go, oh, that's, that's weird. That's for them, right? But jealousy says, wait a minute, there's something here that's mine. And so that's my challenge to Christians is however you're sharing the good news or however you're developing relationship with a Jewish person, if your heart is for them to understand that Jesus is their Messiah, is your faith something that would be recognizable to a Jewish person as rooted in their own? Mm-hmm. Or is it another religious system? Yeah. So we've talked about the definition of Messianic Judaism as a Jewish identity with a faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and then given some reasons of why you should care about Messianic Judaism, just briefly understanding the roots that you're grafted into, a witness of the fulfillment of God's promises, and a way to honor Jewish identity when telling a Jewish person about Jesus. But now, as a Christian, I might be thinking, okay, great, I understand what it is and why I should care about it. Does that mean now that I should get involved? Should I start going to a Messianic Jewish congregation? Like, I know we talked about Hebrew, but is that something that Christians should be doing, going to a Messianic Jewish congregation now that they care about it? Right. I I guess my answer would be, you can, but what are you trying to gain by doing that? Do you want to understand it? Do you want to familiarize yourself with what's going on and recognize that that's a distinct but unified part of the body? Sure, go visit. Do you have to? Totally no. In fact, like I said, on the other side of the coin, there's hundreds of thousands. Like there, there was a faith-based survey about five or so years ago, and then more recently, about two years ago, a secular survey, both of which confirmed that there's either hundreds of thousands or, if you count kids, upwards of one and a half million Jewish men and women and children in American churches. So is, the, is it an imperative to go to a Messianic congregation? No. If you, if you feel that way, I would challenge you, why do you feel that way? And sometimes, you know, I'll push this button a little bit, people can end up at a Messianic congregation not because they feel like God's drawn them there to have that experience, but because they're offended at their church. And I would say for any of us considering any congregational change, if we're running away from something rather than going to something, we probably need to take a look at that. Mm -hmm. So uh, the short answer is no. The longer answer is you're welcome to, but what's your purpose? Is it curiosity and unity or is it trying to earn something with God? None of us can earn something with God. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And in some of our past podcasts and other seasons, we've talked about, uh, you know, how should a Christian interact with Jewish holidays and Jewish observances? Go back and listen to those if you're more interested in this. But like Ezra said, not required to go to a Messianic congregation. You can continue going to your church, but important to learn about the history and the understanding of Messianic Judaism and Judaism in general, which we've talked about in other episodes. Right. So I hope that's helpful to you. And if you have questions, you can send them in, but stay tuned for another episode next week. If you benefited from what you heard today and you feel others could benefit from hearing it too, we want to ask you to get involved and become a supporter. $50 gets this and other important messages out to a broader audience and gets life-saving medical care to one additional underserved Jewish person living far outside the land of Israel. As a thank you, we'll send you a bag of fresh roasted Ethiopian beans from our own Lost Tribes Coffee Company. 
These delicious beans are responsible for both the speed and intensity with which Ezra expresses himself on this podcast. Totally true, Carly. And if you're not ready to become a supporter today, just let us know that you listen by entering and giving a little bit of information. You'll be entered in a drawing to win a free bag of that Lost Tribes Coffee Company coffee. You can go to our website at jewandagentiledisgust.org or click in the show notes for more information. And if you want to hear more episodes, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast content. And we'd also love if you leave us a review and share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle a Jew and a Gentile discuss. And if there's anything you want us to discuss or have us answer, please submit your questions at our website, a Jew and a Gentile This is Carly and Ezra. Thanks for listening to a Jew and a Gentile discuss. Join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.